Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all new Rate Shield Approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield Approval is a real game changer. And here's why First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate up for up to 90 days while you shop. But here's the crucial part if rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. It's Tuesday, July 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, sitting in for Chris Hill, who is on some much-deserved, well-needed R&R for the next couple of weeks. So, guys, and by guys, I mean Motley Fool analyst Andy Cross and Jason Moser, you're stuck with me. Yes, sir. Viva la France, gents. Viva World, la France. Wow, World Cup. Right. World ah, Cup. France and Belgium France and today. Belgium and then, As we call uh, soccer, football to the rest of the football. world. Football. Yeah, England, football. England, Croatia tomorrow. England, Croatia tomorrow. England, Croatia tomorrow. So, so we're in the quarterfinals. We're in the semifinals. And you're, you're an England guy, too. I'm an England guy. And, and, and I haven't been following it. How's the U.S. doing? <laughs> Let's go back to the. <laughs> didn't even qualify. Yeah, That's all qualify. I know. Tough, tough. But France and Belgium, and then tomorrow England and Croatia should be two really excellent matches. Okay, so I should start watching at this point. You should start watching. At <laughs> okay, this point. okay. Well, I will. Well, guys, we've got a great show today. We're going to talk Microsoft. We're going to talk some Nordstrom. We're going to have an update on Twitter, Jason. We talked some Twitter yesterday, and. Yep. Um, some more Twitter news. But let's start with Pepsi. Shares of Pepsi up big on earnings today. And guys, it's all about snacks because North America beverage sales not doing that well. But Jason, Frito Lay more than making up for that. And by Frito Lay, I mean Lay's, Cheetos, Doritos, Fritos, Sun Chips, and yes, Funyuns. Mac, you're speaking my language. I mean, that is the dream team. I am hungry. You are speaking my language. I mean, hey, listen, I'm kind of one of those uh, live to eat guys, right? I'm not always focused on exactly what I'm putting (laughs) in my body, and Frito Lay has what I'm looking for. I mean, this is really the benefit, though, of Pepsi having that diverse revenue stream. The snacks really can uh, help shore up uh, whenever the beverage side of the business is is falling a little behind. And, And really, I think. What struck me when in looking at this release and looking at Pepsi and sort of looking at how this stock has done over the past five years, we always talk about looking for some Pepsi to a, to a Coke out there, right? When we right. talk about competitive advantages and competitors, market leaders, and everything, we talk about Coke being the big one, and then what's the Pepsi to their Coke? No longer, Mac. No longer. We're actually now looking for the Coke to their Pepsi, and I'll tell you what. Pepsi may be a little bit smaller, but shareholders of Pepsi over the last three and five years have won versus Coke shareholders. Wow. Pepsi is the outperformer. So take that. If you want to take the Pepsi challenge this weekend, then challenge your friends. Perhaps. What's been the better stock over the last five years? Funyun thesis. That's what we're going to call it. Yeah, and I, and I own, I like that Funyun thesis. Uh, I own Pepsi, and I, well, I actually own Berkshire Hathaway too, which owns a, a large Dick and Coke. So, uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, the stock, the stock has might have done better. It hasn't, you know, been on a rocket ship uh, recently, and you know, this year it certainly hasn't really done all that well. I mean, you just look at what Jason was saying with it is, it is all about the snacks. I mean, just the, the shift as they try to push a little bit more away from the sugary drinks, the Mountain Dews, and the Pepsi Colas over. The past six to nine months has really been a struggle. They've talked about this being a long-term trend, and and that's where they have to go. Um, but they can't. They, they're stuck with these legacy brands. They have to continue to sell because it generates so much revenue for them. But even that, Mac, the revenue growth of the past couple of years has been really slow. Um, in fact, there has been 
pretty much no revenue growth um, over the past couple of years, and their profits really have been pretty stagnant. So, you know, looking at what how they are shifting this portfolio and how they are changing this and focusing much much more on snacks as a more profitable, higher margin business. Potentially, hopefully, higher revenue sales growth for shareholders. That's really where the future is going to be for for the growth portion of the Pepsi story. So you talk about the the soda sales, and Coke has the same issue, right, with yeah. declining yeah. soda sales here in the U.S. So if if you're looking at both of those stocks going forward, do you like Jason? Do you like Pepsi more than Coke going forward? So and, and yeah, I mean, I, I preface this coming uh, from from the perspective of a. Guy who moved up here from Georgia, I should I should want Coke, right? I I'm I'm a Coke guy when it comes to the product, but in all honesty, I I, I think I would go Pepsi, and it is because of traitor, that salty traitor. snack. It's because they have that uh, sort of second act there in the salty snacks. And I mean, I'm not gonna lie, Mac, I've got a few of those bags in my house right now. It's it's uh, it's just a fact of life, and I don't see it changing. But I mean, to Andy's point. That is the problem. It's it's not just Pepsi. I mean, Coca Cola. Yeah. All of these companies they're facing just this really tepid organic growth, and so they either need to make acquisitions. They have to figure out some way to pivot. Uh, they are definitely uh, making water a, a a bigger part of their portfolio. For Pepsi now, water is twelve percent of total volumes. Don't forget also Pepsi owns Quaker, and Quaker uh, has has continued to perform very well. The breakfast foods in in, in particular, um, and and then I think even with Pepsi, it's really encouraging. We were talking yesterday about straws and all of this waste that a lot of these companies throw out there. And Pepsi, I mean, you got to get behind a company that is trying to do their part for the planet. Pepsi is one of the world's largest purchasers of recycled PET, which is the the packaging material, and they just launched a 100% compostable bag in test yeah. markets. Now, Matt, coming from a guy. Like we compost it at our house, thanks to my lovely wife and and her initiative in getting that set up. I'm I'm a really big fan of that. I mean, that to me is just one of those little things you can do, and and I applaud Pepsi for making the effort. I love that, and also I was uh, my family and I are going camping in a couple weeks, and I was reading about just fire starters and Frito Lay. Um. Corn chips, all those things. If you're in a little bit of a pinch and you need a fire starter, bang, right <laughs> there, some instant kindling. Oh my gosh. No, well, well, Light well, it up. Okay, well, that leads me Light to my, my exit question. We, we have all of these great snacks Lays, Cheetos, Doritos, Fritos, Sun Chips, Funyuns. Okay, and this is the Frito Lay universe. If you have to date one and you have to marry one, who are you going with out of those chips? Um. I'm not a Doritos fan, so um, but I, I tell you, I really? just don't like them. You know, they just keep really? layering more and more stuff on top, and really? the, the like junk cool that ranch, gets on your fingers. No, the stuff cheese. that gets on your fingers. You remember yeah. the the corn onion, chips, baby. The onion article that celebrated yeah. Doritos adding its one millionth yes. ingredient, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, all okay, about so corn no chips, Doritos, man. but you got to date one, you got to marry one. Uh, well, I'm definitely marrying the one uh, the um, corn chips. Fritos, Fritos. I mean, yep. those those are those are my go-to little little snack from that from from that pool. So that's when I'm marrying and dating. What were the other options? Not dating Doritos. Lay's, Sun Chips, Funyuns. Um, Sun Chips. I'll date Sun Chips. Okay. Yeah, I'll date Sun Chips. I get those when we go get sandwiches and you know. Um, Solid. Yeah, pot bellies. Jason, I feel like I'm on again, off again with Funyuns. So that's probably dating material right there. <laughs> but I'm willing to make the commitment for Cheetos. And, and in particular, wow. I will go puffed. Cheetos, yes. nice, like cheese doodles, but yes. the, the puffy Cheetos. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like I could make that lifetime commitment there. That's bold. I will confess that I've made eyes at Sun Chips before, <laughs> but I'm gonna, I'm gonna for the dating, I'm going Doritos. 
Wow. Um, yeah, because you know you want a wild night out of the town. Doritos. I mean, I, I don't like getting all the stuff on my fingers, <laughs> so that's like a once a month, you know, delicacy. Yeah. Um, you I can think, wash those off. I think Fritos. Cool. Yeah, I'm with you, Andy. I think you got to marry Fritos because yeah. Fritos are just so solid. Yeah. I mean, they're they they haven't changed in like a billion years, yeah. and they don't need to. Yeah, they've added the stuff to it, but just the, the, the just bread be, and butter, man. Just be, be you. Be just you. be you. That's bowl right. of chili, you can make you a Frito Ooh, pie. Yeah, now oh. you're talking. Right? Okay, well, guys, let's talk a little Microsoft. Microsoft's new Surface Go tablet is officially a Go now. It's a 10-inch tablet, smaller and less powerful than the Surface Pro. The Surface Go will start around $399. Now, Andy, when we were talking about this, I'm like, you know what? Is this story even worth doing? Because tablets seem... They seem a bit out of fashion these days, and 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 I'm not even sure is this market worth even owning, competing in. What's going on here? It's a good question, Mac. I mean, Microsoft is a 782 billion dollar organization. Um, with I mean, they it has 132 billion dollars in cash just sitting on the balance sheet. Lots of places to invest. This tablet, they're not even a player in the tablet space. In fact, they're not much of a player in the sub 500 dollar when it comes to product. Um, at all. So, this is really their foreway into this. Uh, the tablet market really has not been growing that fast. In fact, it's been pretty stagnant. Yet, the detachable tablets, of which uh, the new Go is part of, as is the, um, the Go is, is part of, is the part of the tablet business market that is growing. So, they're playing in a little bit of the, of the space. But I think what, what I was excited about with this was it is a step for Microsoft to kind of go down market to compete against um, the 800 pound gorilla in Apple and go against the, the iPad there. It's a continuation of the Surface brands, which is now a billion dollar per quarter business, so it's you know four billion dollar business for Microsoft. Um, it's still a drop in the bucket when you think about the Microsoft growth potential. When you think about really how that story has evolved and how the company has evolved, especially with the intelligent cloud. Um, so uh, it's a it's a it's a step from the consumer side to be able to extend that Surface brand um, and into a space that they don't play into, whether it's schools or professionals or just um, mom and pops out there looking for a better um, tablet uh, to get the full function of it. You have to do buy. You have to add in the keyboard, maybe add in the stylus pen. So it's kind of a. It really is. You don't get a whole lot for for your money there. Um, you only get four gigs of RAM and sixty four gigs of storage. I mean, you know, most phones have more than that these days. So, uh, and then you kind of can add into that. They have tried to optimize this from from when it comes to the the core processor, the applications you have, the battery life. So they talk a lot about how they're excited about this move downstream and down the price point. So it's a step in that direction. Ultimately, it's not going to be a huge revenue driver for Microsoft. I think it extends their their brand positioning, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's not happening, but I feel like the the pace at which tablets are being used as production devices. I feel like that pace is a lot slower than we thought it may have have been. And I don't know that that speeds up anytime soon. I mean, tablets really yeah. are consumption devices, yeah. right? I mean, you have whatever tablet you have because you probably like streaming video on it or just fiddling around on the internet with it. And so I'm not saying people aren't being productive with them, but I don't think it's not the same. It's it's not the same as a laptop. They haven't gotten to that point yet. And I mean, I think when you look at actual shipments, uh, tablet shipments were down almost twelve percent for the quarter yeah. from a year ago. Uh, that to me is is a problem. I mean, I think that's why you see the tablet 
leaders continue to cut those prices because they're realizing exactly what tablets are being used for, and the phones have gotten so good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to sit there and justify buying a five or six hundred dollar tablet if you've got a nice six or seven hundred dollar phone already, and you know that all you're going to be doing with a tablet is the same thing you're doing with your phone. So I think that makes it very tough for any tablet maker to command pricing. I think that was part of the idea behind Apple developing more sizes of tablets and different price points because I think even they realized. They couldn't just get out there and sell that tablet, and people would just pay one one price for something they weren't exactly sure they were going to need. Yeah, so. and that seems that seems also part of why Amazon was so brilliant with their whole Fire tablets. I mean, I I have yeah. one, and yeah. I use it I use it to watch movies. Yeah. And if you spend ninety nine bucks or however much it was, it's like so what? But I'm not going to spend three hundred bucks on a tablet. Well, here's where it, here's I mean, from just the tablet itself is not going to be a huge game changer from from a from a revenue side for Microsoft per se, it'll add, obviously the, the, it, it'll add something. Um, but as Microsoft continues to push more and more aggressively into AI and into the cloud computing and into this intelligent cloud, as they improve the software options, whether it's Office or whatever else they add into the tablet, and if they do truly can run those applications better on this tablet than what you could run those maybe elsewhere, they start to build out that ecosystem a little bit. So, that does add some some credence to making this move. Um, it does get them, like I mentioned before, into a price point that they just don't play in. They never have really played into that that cheaper price point. Um, but it's not really like uh, it's not in my mind. It's not just from the consumer side. It's really for, for how it ties into the bigger story for Microsoft, which is this this massive push towards intelligent cloud and and data processing. Yeah, and I think with Amazon too. Just remember, I mean, Jeff Bezos has always been very clear. That that he wants to make money from you using his device, not buying his device. Right. Right. Apple traditionally has been about we want to make money from selling you the device. Right. I think I think that Tim Cook is starting to see uh, the merits there in in having a device that that can produce robust service uh, right. revenue. And, and so I think that's another reason why they they continue to sort of bring more models to the space because they want to really develop that service side of the business, which I think I think is a smart move. Okay, guys. Well, let's talk um, some Nordstrom on Tuesday. The retailer spelled out its five-year financial targets with the goal of becoming, quote, the best fashion retailer in a digital world. Bold, bold, Andy, bold. Now, now, Nordstrom is also um, really expanding its small store model. For those who who aren't following Nordstrom that much, these stores don't carry any inventory, and they allow you to try stuff on. But you can't take it home with you. You order it at the store. Yeah. So, Andy, what's your take on Nordstrom in the next five years? Well, there's only three of those. Well, as of right now, there's only one of the no inventory stores, the Nordstrom local, and they're adding two more. So, that's an expansion. All went to LA. So, it is an expansion, <laughs> but compared to the overall footprint, um, what, what, what this is further recognizing is that the, the, the shopping experience that we're all going through is radically changing in, in, in five, ten years. Not at Costco. Much different. <laughs> Not yet. I saw they're Getting yes. rid of your beloved Polish dog. Is that true? Yeah. Now they're, I don't know. Getting rid of the hot dog. Well, no, 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 no. Okay, no. is it Polish dog? Yeah. Not no, no, hot no, dog. No, that's so, not. Don't, don't scare me hey, like that. Listen. <laughs> I immediately pictured like a Polish canine, and I'm like, "What is a Polish dog?" I mean, we have like a beagle mix. You're talking a hot dog, right? I'm just telling you what I read, man. I'm like, I didn't even know they carry pets. Um, Okay, a Polish dog. Okay, no, I don't think that's the dollar fifty hot dog. So the um, the the shopping experience 
maybe X Costco um, and maybe some other smaller unique spaces is is shifting. They are starting to change with this. You know, these the, the goals that they've laid out for the next five years aren't aren't they're nice. Growing revenues three to four percent a year, operating profits at five to six percent a year. Frankly, they really haven't done that much over the past couple of years. So I think investors were looking for a little bit more, uh, um, especially as they've gone through this whole like we're going to take it private. We're not. We can't find the price. No one's going to buy it for us. It's an eight billion dollar company. Mac with a billion dollars in cash and two point seven billion dollars in debt. Um, you know, it generates okay profits, but those profits have not grown. So, what is the next story? What is the evolution? It could be these no inventory stores. I think with, where you go in, you can try on a few merchandises. They don't carry anything that you can buy there. They offer easy returns, um, styling help, tailoring. I mean, when you're competing against the worlds of Stitch Fix, Amazon getting more aggressive, plus more and more upstarts being able to produce. Uh, tailored clothing for you. Ship it right to your to your doorstep that day. Try it on. Send it back. I mean, there's so much money going into that that Nordstrom is not playing into that because the Nordstrom rack business hasn't been all that great. Um, this is definitely a, 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 a well-regarded brand in the fashion space. But trying to make this digital shift is gonna. There's gonna be lots of bumps and bumps and bruises for them. I went to Nordstrom rack one time and got just so <laughs> overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's it's impressive, but there's just stuff everywhere. Yeah. And I talked to one of our colleagues here um, afterwards, and he's like, oh, you never go to the rack alone. <laughs> and so, apparently, Blake, apparently Why? it was a rookie mistake, because I didn't know what to do. And after about eight minutes, I'm like, I've just got to find the nearest Costco. Yeah. That, is, that doesn't really sound like a great winning business model. you gotta bring a, you got to bring a buddy system to go shopping yeah. there. So, so I, th- I think, ultimately, I think, guys, I think this is a good... The, the push more and more towards these no inventory and rethink the shopping experience is good for Nordstrom. Um, I just think it's going to be probably more of the same over the next couple of years. And Jason, I used to think that Nordstrom was one of the few companies that was Amazon proof. And Andy, hearing everything you're saying, it sounds like maybe not so much. I think a lot of companies have been caught um, on their on their heels, so to speak, in in dealing with Amazon. And a lot of these companies perhaps thought they weren't really going to be competitors with Amazon because Amazon was kind of doing something else. And, and lo and behold, Amazon was building out this this infrastructure that could pretty much get anything from point A to point yeah. B, fashion fashion included. So where you know Mac, you and I are probably of, of the same cut. I, I just want to go somewhere. I don't have a Costco membership, but That's I, I can fair. appreciate the simplicity of being all. able to go there and just find some Kirkland shirts and getting out of there. You know, that's that's probably my speed. I, the most shopping I do annually per year is I mean, I'll, I'll go to Amazon and, and buy a couple of pairs of jeans, and I'll go to the Under Armour app and I'll buy a couple of pairs of pants, and the rest of it's just t-shirts and underwear, man. Yeah, yeah. I, we, I mean, I, I don't think we are maybe the target audience of the typical Nordstrom shopper, but that typical Nordstrom shopper is is changing quickly and drastically how he or she goes about doing their shopping, and just the experience that you used to have at Nordstrom Mac that you referenced, and the the, the brand value and the the high levels of service. I think the value of those just aren't what they used to be, and people can get that exposure elsewhere, and perhaps even cheaper and more conveniently, which is really important, especially as we as technology starts to improve. So um, they're they're late to that game. They've been trying to make these steps. This obviously the push for the the Nordstrom local is a is a, an aggressive push for this. We'll see the impact it has, and we'll see the growth potential that they um, continue to build out with these three, those two launching this fall, and where they go from there. 
And guys, before we talk Twitter, I want to say that support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Let's talk about buying a home for a minute. Now, because of rising interest rates, there's a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home these days. It's causing a lot of anxiety with folks. Well, our friends at Quicken Loans are doing something about that. They're calling it the power buying process. Now, here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. Then, once you're verified, you qualify for their all-new exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, they'll lock your rate up for up to 90 days while you shop. Now, here's the best part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But Andy and Jason, if rates go down, your rate also drops. Win-win. Either way, you win. How great is that? Sounds like nothing but upside. Nothing but upside. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. And guys, our final story is a bit of an update on our Twitter story from yesterday. Shares of Twitter really got hit on Monday on news that the company was suspending more than 1 million accounts a day. And Jason, the company came out and said that most of the accounts being removed were not part of the metrics that Twitter reports. So, is this a case where Wall Street needs to kind of chill out a bit? Yeah, I felt like we kind of wanted to tie a bow on this thing because the story changed a little bit after we had taped yesterday's show. Ultimately, I think this really reiterates why we invest the way we do here and why a big part of that is more or less eschewing that day-to-day noise that typically doesn't really amount to anything at all. And I think in this case that was that was what happened here. Ned Siegel, the CFO for the company, got out on his Twitter feed yesterday afternoon, probably some somewhere in the two to three o'clock range or something like that. But he offered some clarifications in regard to the article in the Washington Post, which was essentially based on nothing more than speculation anyway. Uh, But he said, and I quote, some clarifications. Most accounts we remove are not included in our report metrics, as they have not been active on the platform for 30 days or more, or we catch them at sign-up, and they're never counted." End quote. So, I think this all really amounted to a big fuss over nothing. Uh, the the stock did did come back a little bit yesterday. It seems like today it's a little bit more uh, on an even keel. It's still the same business as it was a week ago. And and uh, again, most of most of the folks that I interact with on Twitter saw the same thing and say, "Hey, you see the forest for the trees here, and just uh, let Jack and his team keep on doing what they're doing." Okay, guys. Well, as we wrap up, my favorite, incredibly arbitrary, unfair desert island question. You're on a desert island for the next five years, and you have to own one of the following stocks that we've talked about Pepsi, Coke, Microsoft, Nordstrom, or Twitter. Andy Cross. Twitter. Wow. You didn't even fast. hesitate. No. I mean, I think, I mean, you think about just the, the way the world's moving. And I mean, like, look, uh, if you're a fan, Jack Dorsey. Um, and I know there are people out there who who are and who are not. Um, but they're there, you know. After some stumbling mo- moments in the past, you know, a couple of years, they're getting their act together. And I think just the platform they're building is continuing to be more and more relevant in our world. And I think long long term, when you look at those, the size of it is not as large. I mean, Microsoft's doing some pretty cool stuff too. But you know, they're so large, you got to do a lot of really, you got to sell a lot of tablets to move that needle. Yeah. Um, I think the Twitter story is is uh, the most attractive. Jason. 
You know, man, I own a lot of Twitter already, so I'm going to diversify my portfolio here, Mac. I like the 3.5% yield that PepsiCo is yielding, and I figure maybe if I choose Pepsi here, I'll get some uh, Cheetos for free. Or Funyuns. Yeah. Or Funyuns. Or Funyuns. Both, Good for eating or for camping. Sure, it's amazing. I mean, when I was looking at all of those, I mean, fr- I mean, Lay's is like the weak link. I think. Yeah. I think Lay's is like the definition Maybe, of but adequate. Stuff is pretty good. Though. I mean, they, they, Lay's meets expectations every time, but sure. it never ever exceeds expectations, right? You know what you're getting. Freedom. Well, wavy Lay's. I mean, that's that's usually that yeah. Usually and like Ruffles, I'm like, you know what? I get it. They have ridges. What else? Yeah, right. Nothing else. Right here, we are identifying the oh challenges these CPG companies have. Man, a oh lot of brands. You know what a lot of people sleep on, and I don't attention. think it's Frito Lay. I think it's sunshine, but man, Cheez Its are just. Oh, Cheez Its are a big, big hit in my family. Yeah, I don't like too. them, though. No. Is that true? Too cheesy for me, man. Did you ever, I'm how a do you, simple guy, man. How do you feel about Fig Newtons? Because I've had kind of a, a, uh, yeah. a complicated I'm a, relationship. I'm a, I'm a big Fig Newton fan. Are you? Yeah, are you? I like Fig Newtons. Do yeah. you remember lemon coolers? When I was a kid, they had this like powder on them. Oh, yeah. Oh, they were awesome. They like were the, just like nectar. Like the powdered lemon sugar cookies from like the Girl Scouts? Like those ones. Not from the Girl Scouts. And it's distant cousin, the key line. And that's that's a higher class of cookie. This was like store bought. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the Girl Scout cookies, the Savannah Smiles. That's what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Malmy. Oh, so solid. No, I don't remember the lemon. What do you call them? Lemon. Lemon coolers. I'm not sure if they make them anymore. Well, if you have thoughts on any snack products or any of those stocks, then we always love to hear from you. Questions and comments. Marketfoolery at fool.com is our email. Marketfoolery at fool.com. Andy, Jason, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, Mac. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Marketfoolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mac Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>